Support comes from Empower Missouri, providing in-person and virtual training to become an advocate for Missourians living in poverty. Registration for Empower Missouri's March 27th Advocacy Day is at empowermissouri.org WOA. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Rosenbaum, a political correspondent with St. Louis Public Radio. What you're about to hear is a conversation I had last week with Robin Carnahan. She's the administrator of the General Services Administration, and she served two terms as Missouri's Secretary of State. We talked about her agency's role in the federal infrastructure bill and how the federal workforce is navigating a pandemic reality. But before we got into the nitty-gritty, I asked Carnahan a very simple question. In the best way possible, can you describe what the General Services Administration does and why it matters to people? I can. And Jason, thanks. It's great to talk to you again. So yeah, General Services Administration, GSA, the the key word there is general. We do lots and lots of different things. Um, But many people don't know that much about GSA because it often supports other federal agencies rather than just directly, uh, you know, working with the public. But Truman actually started GSA in 1949 when he was president. And the whole idea was that we needed a place to streamline government operations and make it more efficient and also save money. So that's the general purpose of, of GSA. Does lots of things, as I said, but there are three primary buckets. The first is overseeing all the federal buildings. So some of those are owned federal buildings. It's the biggest landlord in the country uh, and also often leases uh, commercial buildings on behalf of federal partners. So it's again, one of the biggest tenants in the country in that way. And it's 370 million square feet of space and eight more than 8,000 buildings. So it's a lot of, lot of buildings. It can be office buildings, courthouses, laboratories, data centers, all of that kind of stuff. Um, the second bucket is procuring goods and services on behalf of government agencies. And that totals you know, somewhere in the ball, ballpark of $75 billion annually in contracts. And then the third thing, third bucket is digital technology and services. Like we've seen over the last couple of years, an increase in need for that. Um, and so GSA is in the middle of helping government do that better as well. Can you give a rough estimate of what GSA's responsibilities are in Missouri? Like, do you know how many buildings GSA is responsible for, how much it owns, lease? I'm sure it's a lot, but if you could give kind of our listeners a sense of like its footprint in Missouri, I think that they would probably appreciate that. Yeah, so in, in Missouri alone, the GSA owns 42 buildings and leases more than 150 others. And by the way, that doesn't include things like the NGA, right, which is separately owned uh, and post offices or their own thing. So these are just GSA, our agency owned assets. But, you know, it's it's we house more than 35,000 federal employees that are in GSA spaces across the state. So, yeah, it's a big impact in St. Louis. I mean, you think about things like the Eagleton Courthouse downtown or the Robert A. Young building or you know, the Charles Preval federal building out in Overland. Uh, but there are a bunch of them scattered around. So this may be kind of a naive question because we're comparing two entities that are wildly different in scale. But I'd be interested to hear what the biggest differences are between being GSA administrator and being secretary of state of Missouri for eight years. I, I know they're completely different offices, um, but are there any similarities between the two jobs? And I'd also be interested to hear if they're hear about the the big differences between the two positions. 
Yeah, no, it's a great question because uh, Secretary of State is also a pretty administrative job, right? You're always delivering services to people. Um, and the similarity is that, that uh, we're all about delivering good service. And one of the things that I dealt with when I was Secretary of State was, you know, technology was really becoming more ubiquitous. So I went into office in 2005. And I remember the first day I walked in, there were more people like opening envelopes to manually prepare checks to be deposited to to uh, do their annual business registration than we had in our whole IT department. So I spent a lot of my time as Secretary of State thinking about how to improve the technology so people could get services of government online in the same way we get it in the rest of our lives. So that's a big similarity with GSA. You know, in the past, government's been pretty like face-to-face -face and more and more people expect service delivery to happen online. Uh, it's a great way to save money and to be more convenient. So I spend a lot of time on that. Obviously, the scale is much different. Um, we've got 12,000 employees across the country. We're dealing with, you know, huge budgets um, and uh, trying to make those investments in the wisest way possible. So a lot of the learnings I took from the secretary's office have been very handy in this job. So you were not a stranger to GSA uh when President Biden appointed you as administrator. Can you explain to our listeners what you were doing with, I, I don't know if it's a program within the GSA or a sub-agency or something that's completely separate from GSA, but just sort of explain what you were doing before you got this appointment and were confirmed by the Senate. Yeah, that's a great question. I was at GSA for four years during the Obama and Trump administrations, and I was focused primarily on technology and how uh, the federal government could support state and local governments trying to make those services work better. You know, it's a little crazy to think that we've got, we have all of these states that kind of do the same thing and cities and counties, they all kind of have the same interaction with their public and their customers, I'll call them, that they reinvent the wheel all the time when it comes to, to, uh, to serving them rather than sharing things, whether it's computer code or other kind of processes. And it costs a lot of money. So not only is it a risk, an operational risk, uh, but it also is really expensive. We saw that happen through the pandemic um, where lots of you know, websites, whether it had to do with applying for unemployment benefits or food or housing um, uh, benefits, or obviously getting access to COVID information and, and uh, testing and, and shots, like everybody had to reinvent that stuff. So that's what I was focused on was when I was at GSA before is how to improve uh, the delivery of those digital services. So I think that has continued to like, since the pandemic obviously become even more important. So that background at GSA has been very helpful to me in this role. So one of the notable things that came up uh, during your confirmation process was support, and I would argue strong support from Republican Senator Roy Blunt. And for those that didn't follow Missouri politics back in the early 2010s, uh, Administrator Carnahan and Senator Blunt ran against each other for that position in 2010. And I already know that you've noted how appreciative you are that he did that. I'm actually more interested to hear now that you're in the job, how that good start affected your working relationship with him. I understand he's only one senator, but he's a pretty important appropriating appropriator. And he's involved in major Missouri product projects like the NGA, which I think GSA has a role in. Yeah, look, Senator Blunt, as you said, has, has been a fantastic supporter uh, through this since my first conversation with him after, uh, before actually my appointment was announced. 
um, he, he helped me in my confirmation uh, and it made a, a difference. I know that it did. And he's been a, a close ally as I've been in this job. I call him regularly about things. We work together closely. And frankly, you know, there's in a place where there's a lot to fight about, um, much of the work that GSA does um, has bipartisan momentum. We're about, as I said, making government work better and saving money. Uh, those are the things that we're all about, and that's something everybody's for. And so Congress, uh, Senator Blunt and I work closely on those things because we are completely aligned. So uh, we're recording this on April 7th, 2022. I was checking this little app on my phone called TimeHop that um, reminds me of social media activity I did like a year, two years, 10 years before. Uh, April 6th, 2021 was actually the the day President Biden announced your nomination. You've been in the job, I guess, a little less than a year. What are some major initiatives that you've been working on um, since you got confirmed and, and have hit the ground running with this position? Well, thanks for that reminder. I, I'd forgotten all about the day that, uh, what, what day it was when I was announced by the president. Um, there have been so many things uh, that, that we're juggling at, at GSA. Um, Obviously, part of uh, the really important work that we're doing uh, on behalf of the Biden administration is the implementation of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, right? So that is a once in a generation investment in infrastructure that is not only about sort of building our communities and creating good paying jobs there, but, you know, just part of the building of the economy and helping us bounce back after the uncertainty of the past two years and set us up for a more resilient uh, future. Uh, these investments are across the board. They're in bridges and rail and airports and public transit and safe drinking water and internet, all those things. Uh, so we're in the midst of uh, helping uh, much, of those, much of those agenda items. Can you explain what the GSA's role is in actually executing the infrastructure bill? I could imagine that they would have a major role in the procurement uh, mm -hmm. at part, not just getting materials, but also finding maybe contractors to build the roads and build the electric charging stations, all that sort of things. So that's my assumption, but I'd, I'd rather hear the answer from you rather than assuming that. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. So uh, we, we do a couple of things. So, some some uh, of the infrastructure funding came directly to GSA to do some projects, and there are about $3.4 billion uh, worth of projects that are mainly focused on the border. Uh, so land ports of entry, they're called, that are border entry stations, both on the northern and southern borders, to upgrade those to meet post-9-11 security standards. Uh, but also we want to make sure those are reflecting our other principles and commitments, particularly around sustainability. Um, because we know that building materials have changed a lot over time and energy sources have changed a lot over time. So we're going to be, we're going to be thinking about that. It's also an incredible opportunity for good paying jobs. Uh, I was in St. Louis just recently at a job training center that was like the major step between passing a bill, like presidents and politicians love to talk about infrastructure, right? But not all of them get much done. The Biden administration has and passed a once in a generation bill to reinvest in infrastructure. Now we have to have the highly skilled workers to be able to do the work. So I was in St. Louis recently at a job training center talking right to the folks 
uh, that are going to be uh, getting those jobs and getting that work done. What sort of role does your agency have in making sure that the workforce that ends up working on some of these jobs, it like reflects the diversity of America? I know that's also often been a big, I, I don't want to say tension or controversy when you're doing public-private partnerships, yeah. but I, I think that a lot of people who may want to work on these jobs who are Black, Hispanic, Asian, or women uh, want to know what sort of assurances there are that they're going to be able to be in this opportunity compared to ethnic or, or racial groups that haven't been historically disadvantaged? Yeah, look, we have lots of competing interests uh, when it comes to using public money. And one is we want to leverage the public resources to do things that reflect our values and uh, and also you know get the best value for taxpayers. So those are things that we think about all the time. The president has signed executive orders that focus on things like supporting uh, women and minority-owned businesses, disadvantaged businesses. We at GSA uh, have a lot of programs that help help folks uh, that have these companies get contracts with the government. Uh, also very focused on sustainability um, and fair wages. Um, so we're balancing all of those things. What's important to me is that there's a lot of transparency about this, that we are uh, doing things that reflect our values. Uh, and that our agency partners are, are able to know what they're buying. So I'm, I'm sure that you have driven uh, across many a Missouri road in your life, both like highly developed ones like I-70 and lettered ones maybe around where you grew up in Phelps County or, or going to another county around it. See, I, I can't I can't do an interview without throwing just random Missouri geography in here. That's good. Well, I can talk about that. I know, I know. But, you know, I think when they when people like hear about this infrastructure bill, they want to make sure that it actually is executed, that the infrastructure in a place like Missouri is better afterward than than, you know, before all this money was spent. How confident are you that like the aspirations of of making a a state like Missouri or any other place in rural America more navigatable? Because I know that your your job is not just Missouri actually comes to pass, basically, and you can actually drive in rural parts of the country and and not be worried that all your tires are going to explode because the roads are so bad. Well, I I will tell you, Jason, I I do have a lot of experience moving around the state. Um, And and the the key thing here is for the funding that goes to states like Missouri is going to get seven billion dollars with a B uh, to upgrade roads and bridges. So the priorities about how that's done are going to be very closely aligned with the state. Like much of this money goes to the state uh, to be spent. Um, there's 670 million for public transit in Missouri alone. Uh, you know, 100 million for electric vehicle charging stations in Missouri alone. 100 million for broadband broadband coverage. Uh, 860 million for water infrastructure to help schools and communities get rid of lead pipes. Like this is real money going to invest in our state that is also going to create good paying jobs in our state. So it's really exciting. And I, I mean, I remember when my dad was running for governor years ago, he, he, he wanted to talk about infrastructure. And I remember his all sitting around saying, oh, dad, like everybody wants good infrastructure, but nobody wants to talk about it. Um, well, you know, here we are uh, years later, and we're having the biggest investment in infrastructure in our state. Uh, that has happened in my lifetime. So I'm pretty excited about it because that sets us up for a more resilient future. 
You kind of mentioned this uh, in, in, earlier on in the conversation, but obviously the pandemic has, would probably was a, a huge cloud over any federal position, especially with the federal workforce probably not working in office buildings, but working from home. And now, I mean, I'm recording this in a studio right now, and I'm sure a lot of federal agencies have transitioned back into working in buildings. How, how has that been so far? Because I'm sure a lot of that transition happened during your tenure in office, and I'm sure that's taken up a lot of your time. So I'm interested to see, hear how that's going so far. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and it has taken a lot of our time. Um, you know, just like, I mean, federal government is no different than anybody else, and and that everyone went remote, like, overnight, basically, you know, just over two years ago. And fortunately, GSA was set up to do that pretty effectively because they'd done teleworking before, so people had laptop computers and had the capacity to work from home. Um, so interestingly to me, that in terms of, like, customer survey responses about, uh, you know, their, their happiness and delivery, uh, those, those scores have been very high. Um, our workforce has, has done well throughout this. And you're right, people are now in this transition phase of going back into offices. I think the future of work is a, is a big issue for the government and for every private company. And obviously it's big for GSA because we're the ones that um, uh, manage and, and own a lot of these federal buildings. There's going to be Working's going to look different going forward, and that's why I think thinking about workspace um, and workplace are are slightly different things now. And so GSA is going to be prepared to respond to agencies' needs, whatever those may be, whether they're in offices, whether they're remote, whether they're kind of a hybrid setting. And moving on to the the budget that President Biden has put forward, can you talk a little bit about how that affects your agency and also, how confident you are that that budget recommendation will actually make it to the finish line? Because for our listeners, the federal budget system is a little bit more hurly-burly than Missouri's, which has to be done at a certain time. So I, I think that's a two-part question, but I, I'm interested to hear what is new for your agency and how confident you are that Congress will go along with it. Well, look, I, I'm optimistic always, um, but yes, in terms of the complexity of the federal budget process, it, it, because they can keep kicking the can down the road with continuing resolutions, which they did for six months this year, uh, before passing the omnibus uh, 2022 budget a few weeks ago, um, that's very different than in Missouri, where there's a constitutional deadline and you can't also you know, run a deficit. So it's very different than the state. Um, but the president's budget for, for FY23, the, the upcoming budget, is one that uh, is prioritizing a lot of things at GSA, uh, including how we can invest in more of these, uh, our public buildings. My goal here, frankly, is to figure out how to save money by you know, consolidating uh, people into to buildings that are federally owned um, and getting out of other expensive space. That's gonna save billions of dollars every year. So I think it's a smart move. Um, and we're also talking a lot about how to improve technology. Um, that tech modernization across the government is a really high priority. And GSA is the place where a lot of those, we call them shared services. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time and every agency uh, are housed. And so we're going to be making big investments in those. How does this budgetary request kind of correspond with some of your more long-term goals? And what are going to be some of your long-term goals that you're going to have for this agency um, in the weeks and months ahead? 
Yeah, look, I, I, I kind of alluded to them already. One is to, I call it right-sizing the federal footprint. Um, and that means just having, having our, our space that we own and the taxpayers pay for reflect our actual needs. And so that's, that's not a thing that just happens overnight. You have to have a strategy about it. Uh, and the other piece is to uh, make sure technology that we are able to offer our federal partners and the public keeps pace with what people are seeing in their, their everyday lives. Um, there's no reason it, should, it shouldn't work. You know, I, 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 my mother went, and, uh, went to the Postal Service site when it was time to get the COVID tests, you know, a month or so ago. And she called me afterwards and said, wow, that was really easy. It was just a couple of clicks or you can make all the websites work that well. And I said, that's exactly the goal, mom. We're going to try to do that. So right size in the federal footprint, making sure technology can actually deliver for people. And then the third is leveraging the, the buying power of the government to reflect our values and make sure small businesses and American made products are the ones that uh, get a crack at selling to the government. Those are all things that are really important. There's a lot of bipartisan support for it, and that's what I'll be doing here at GSA. I do have one last question. Did former Senator Carnahan get her COVID tests on time after she clicked she this button? She did. How about you? Did you get yours? I did. We got them pretty quickly, and uh, I think we have about four or eight stocked up, which is good uh, when you have five people in a household, including three very young kids. So I think we're, we're pretty grateful to have the ability to test at home rather than standing in a line like we did at the beginning of the pandemic. That's yeah, just me. Yeah, that's, you may have a different perspective on that. No, not at all. It's, it's exactly right. And it's one of those examples of like, there was not a lot of drama around that. You know, we didn't, it wasn't a replay of healthcare.gov where the website didn't work and everybody thought that, you know, government was a mess and the policy was lousy in part because the website didn't work. Um, so there's, we've brought more technologists into government uh, they're able to do things at scale in smart ways that are easy to use. Um, and so when these things work, it's time to celebrate them because they, they didn't happen by accident. Administrator Carnahan, is there any website or, or place that people that want to learn more about your work at the General Service Administration can go to? Absolutely. GSA.gov. Take a look. And if you're in Washington, uh, come by and visit. We have a we have a place not too far from the White House. And I'm back and forth to St. Louis as much as I can be as well. a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.